This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. If you're like 99% of the people that come to me for help with their jazz playing and their improvisation, you are not happy with your jazz solos right now. There's something about them that is missing and you're not quite sure what it is when you compare yourself to other great jazz musicians you know or your favorite ones that you listen to recordings on. And the key is that great jazz musicians are always playing melodically, and they don't sound like they're playing scales. They don't sound like they're playing chord tones. They don't sound like they're playing mechanically at all. They sound like they're playing organic, living, breathing melodies. So how do you play jazz solos that sing and that are melodic? Well, that's exactly what I'm going to talk about in today's episode. How do we improvise melodically? I'm going to give you some practical advice, some steps, and some things that you can practice today. Let's do this. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, where we help musicians just like you learn to play jazz, all while shortening the learning curve so that you can unleash your musical potential no matter what instrument you play. Excited about today's show. You know, a big part of jazz, obviously, is improvisation. It's not everything, right? There's comping for the chordal instruments. There's walking bass lines for bass players and a lot of different things that go into playing jazz. Uh, but obviously, improvisation is a pillar of it. And so we're always trying to improve as jazz improvisers because who doesn't want to play a really awesome jazz solo? But as I mentioned in the intro, it could feel like something's missing in your jazz playing. There's something that just quite isn't right. And a big part of what could be ailing you is you're not playing melodically. Now, that seems very general, and how do we actually nail down what does playing melodically mean? Well, we're going to talk about that in today's episode, and I'm going to be going over a few different examples over a very simple chord progression, so you can start practicing, and you can start putting some of these things into action right away to hopefully uh, move the needle towards more melodic solos. Of course, before we do that, we have to thank today's sponsor, which is our very own LGS Inner Circle Membership. This is the membership where I can help you take your jazz playing to the next level through all the different resources we have, like the monthly jazz standard studies we do in our jazz standards club, where we learn a new tune in a month, we learn an etude, we study the tune, and we come out a better jazz musician at the end. Uh, our premium practice program courses, so you don't have to worry about you know, what do I do next in my practicing? You really get handheld through all of my different programs, uh, as well as monthly live Q&As with me. Uh, we also have an amazing community inside the membership. And if you're a brand new member, we have a special course just for you called the Inner Circle Power Plan, which helps you get real results in your very first 30 days of membership. Uh, I walk you through the process. It's pretty much, you know, foolproof. It's going to be awesome. So check out the Inner Circle membership, if you've never done so before, ljsinnercircle.com is where you can do that, LJS 
innercircle.com. We'd love to have you join us. Check it out and we'll see you on the inside. Okay, let's jump right in to this episode. All right, now before I pull out my guitar and I start playing some examples and we start going over some actual stuff we can do, uh, I think we have to sort of define what is a melody in the first place and what makes a melody great, right? Because if we don't really know what we're shooting for, we're probably going to end up missing the mark. So let's kind of define that loosely right now. And this is more my definition. Obviously, there are probably other definitions that you may have for what makes a melody great, and that's perfectly fine. But I think that some of these will help us get going in the right direction. So I think the main thing about what makes a melody great is that it is memorable. Like that's the most general way to say it. It's 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 something that is actually memorable and that's where, you know, getting songs that you may not even like get stuck in your head, right? They get stuck in your head because they're memorable. I mean, whether you like the melody or not, they get stuck in your head. So we want to create jazz solos that are memorable that do have great melodic moments in it. So what makes uh, a melody memorable, right? Let's boil it down even further. So one is it's singable. Okay. It's singable. There's something about the human body connection to being able to sing a melody, right? That really is powerful. Now, um, don't get me wrong. Like when we talk about bebop solos and stuff like that, where, um, they're, they're, they're a little bit more difficult to sing. They, they still are singable, right? So melodicism doesn't have to be super easy to sing. It just has to be singable, right? So there's something about a melody that is singable and you can personally reproduce it in, uh, in, in a way that, again, that relates back to it being memorable. Okay, so it, it's singable. Uh, the second thing that would make a melody memorable is it resolves well. Okay, it resolves well. Now, what does that mean? There's a few different ways that it can resolve well. So one is thematically, right? So when you have a melody, there's usually some kind of theme and variation within it. It's not just brand new ideas throughout. And obviously, jazz solos can be more like that. However, the best jazz solos do contain theme and variation. Uh, we've talked before in this podcast about motific development, uh, where you're taking ideas, repeating them, but you know, kind of evolving them as you go throughout your solo. And that's a great way to create uh, thematic uh, resolutions within your solos, within your melodies. Okay, um, but the other resolution that makes memorable melodies resolve well is harmonically. Now, what do I mean by that? So, if we have a chord, right, such as a G major 7, we are wanting to create resolutions that outline that chord. So, right, you could hear even just that simple melody that I resolved well, right? So, let's do a, a tension chord first. This is the 5 chord, so it's a, a D7 chord. We're going to resolve... We're going to resolve to the G major 7. So let's say we have this tension chord. Okay, we just resolved to that G major 7, right? I could hear the resolution there. And that's important for a memorable melody is that there's resolutions harmonically. It's kind of getting in the weeds a bit, but that is important. So obviously we've done some definitions here, but how do we actually take some of this information and put it into practice and dissect it even further? Okay, so let's start going through this one by one. So 
First, let's really focus on the resolution aspect of this, okay? Because I do think this is super, super, super important. Okay, so we need to talk about playing the chord changes because the best melodies that you'll hear, whether they are actual solos or actual just melodies, uh, like the heads of a jazz standard, you'll hear that they are outlining the chord changes very clearly. And that oftentimes is the difference between an amateur jazz musician and a expert jazz musician. For example, we could take that same chord progression we did, that 5-1 chord progression, and you might hear an amateur think, okay, well, we have a 5 chord, so I can play mixolydian, and then we have a 1 chord, I can play G major, right? So maybe you think more in scales. Okay, so now obviously that's maybe an exaggeration of how someone might play scales, but um, you know if you couldn't hear the difference or very much of a difference between the five and the one with that little line I just played, that's because scales don't really outline chord changes very well. I'm not saying scales are bad or you shouldn't work on them or you shouldn't learn them or they can't be useful for jazz improvisation, but they don't truly help you outline the chord changes. So we're going to kind of skip over one that I really harp on as a fundamental all the time, which is if you can't play the actual chord tones, um, some people call this the arpeggio of every single chord, then that's a problem. We need to go and fix that first, right? So... Right, that was just the starting from the roots on up, playing chord tones of D7, and then playing the chord tones of G major seven. Right, so you have to be able to do that. We want to focus more on the chord tones because the chord tones are what are going to bring the tune out. However, uh, what I really want to focus on as your tip to start creating melodic solos is targeting the thirds of the chord. Targeting the thirds of the chord. So I want you to listen to this line again. I played something similar earlier. Okay, now this note that I just landed on to resolve to the G major seven is the third. Okay, for G, right, that would be B, B natural. If you know your music theory, you know your notes, right? So resolving to the thirds is always a good idea because it's going to really make the chords pop because the thirds are often what is changing. It's really the thirds and the sevens, but especially the thirds are changing from chord to chord. So again, we have our D7 here, and I'm going to play a slightly different line. Okay, that note I just landed on is the third of D7. Okay, and then I just landed on the third of the G7. Right? So I targeted the third of the D7. By the way, that's F sharp. That's a third. Landed on the third of the G major seven. Now, obviously, you don't always want to be landing and resolving on thirds, but this is an exercise to try to get us to actually start doing this. So I'm going to pop on a, a backing track really quick. It's just what we call a 1, 6, 2, 5 chord progression in G major. So it's going to be G major 7, E7, A minor, T7, 
D7, okay? So one, six, two, five. Very common chord progression. Rhythm changes, a great study of this. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my best to target the thirds of the chords. Now, I don't have to do every single time, but that's going to be my main goal is resolving to the thirds. So let's, uh, let's check it out. We'll stop it there, right? Just some simple melodies, and I was really trying to target the thirds, all right? So what I would recommend that you consider doing is just spend a little bit of time looping a chord progression like this. Um, you know, again, you could do this with a backing track, or you could do this with a friend, or however you choose to do this, and slow it down as much as you need to, or just, you know, whatever, put on a metronome, and focus on targeting the thirds and resolving to the thirds of every single chord, right? So that that requires you knowing what the thirds are. That requires you knowing what the chord tones are. But even just doing this will have a ton of revelation for you for how great jazz musicians melodically play thirds. Okay, now there is another aspect to this uh, that I think creates great melodies uh, and the resolutions of great melodies, and that is voice leading, okay? Now, uh, you may not have known it, but I was actually using voice leading in my little mini improvisation there. Okay, what is voice leading? So voice leading is the uh, smooth resolution from one chord to the next, okay? The smooth resolution from one chord to the next. And how does that work? So generally, when we're talking about smooth resolutions. We're talking about finding the closest way possible to resolve from one chord to the next. So again, we have our G major seven. So let's say we start on the third. Now, do you see the way I resolve to the third of the E seven there? I went, okay, I actually, approached it from a half step below and then landed on the third of the E7. So right, so here's the third of G major seven. That's actually just the triad by the way I was playing for G7. And then resolving to the third. So I'm finding a, a, a stepwise motion, whether it be chromatic, in this case, that's chromatic, or even diatonic is okay too. So, so I could have gone, uh, let's see. That's okay too. I don't like it as much as, right? Jazz is a lot about chromaticisms and things such as this, okay? So that creates a really nice resolution. So we're always trying to find good voice leading between each chord, right? And then I'm going to go ahead and go, okay, that's the third of A minor 7. Uh, whoops. Okay, so 
I'm playing the flat nine there of D set uh, of the E seven rather the six chord because uh, it's a nice color tune. Okay, now that's all stepwise motion down right here to the third of A minor seven. Right, so stepwise motion towards those target notes, those thirds. So let's start from the top of what I was creating here. So, right, so starting on the third of G, that's the third of E7. That's the third of A minor seven. Okay, so. Okay, so let's figure out another way now to get to the third of the five chord. Okay, so that would be D7. So we have... Okay, I don't like that. Let's try something else. Perfect. Okay, so let me play that. Okay, again... I'm resolving through step motions down and then chromatically approaching it. So, uh, okay, that was the third of D7. So even if you can't see what I'm doing right now, because it's a podcast, you can hear what I'm doing right now. So basically... What I did is what's called an enclosure there. This is another little trick that we'll go over in one second. Um, but I approached it from above and below, and I landed right on the third, okay? So I'm trying to find stepwise motions to get there. So uh, again, from the top. Now, let's kind of mimic what we did. Now let's play the flat nine, right? We played the flat nine of the E7, the sixth chord. So let's do it for the five chord. And land again on the third of the G major seven, right? So we're coming full circle again. And all that was just stepwise motions down, both chromatic and diatonic. So we have in total, Right now, throughout that entire line, as simple as it may be, as rhythmically uninteresting as it may be, we are hearing both the chord changes coming out and we're hearing melodic voice leading happening, okay? So this is an aspect of actually doing this, of actually creating great melodies, okay? So voice leading. Um, again, I want to really quickly touch on a subject I just mentioned, which is enclosure, which is essentially, again, approaching each target note. So in this case, we're doing the thirds by a half step or a whole step above or below. It doesn't matter as long as it's a stepwise motion diatonically, meaning within the scale, or chromatically, meaning outside of the scale. So if we did this as an exercise, we'd have a G major seven, and we could go, okay, so above, below in pitch, and there's our target note, a third. And then, let's say we're targeting the third of the E7. So one way we could do it is, same thing, above, below, arriving at the third. So now we can do the same with the, uh, well, we could do it a little bit differently for the two chord. So it's a diatonic step above, a 
diatonic below, and then landing on the third, right? So we have... Right? Another uh, enclosure pattern over top of the third of the D7, the, the five chord, and then you can do the same one for the G major seven. Now, obviously, again, this sounds very sterile. This sounds very calculated, sounds like an exercise, but sometimes that's what we need to do with jazz improvisation is we need to sort of just play something calculated, play something planned, play something that may not be what we ultimately want to get to, but it is the way that we can start instilling some of these sounds in our ears, right? Okay. So that's kind of the mechanics of starting to play more melodic solos is making sure that we're outlining the chord changes, right? So in this case, we're using the thirds as an example of targeting those notes, but also doing so in a melodic fashion, which was the voice leading we just covered. Okay. Okay. Now um, I mentioned that what makes a memorable solo is that it's singable, right? This is probably the most important thing. Like, yes, some of the theory we talked about, about what makes a great melody is, is important. It's great. But honestly, like the melodies where they touch me in a deep way, they like my soul gets stirred when I hear a great jazz solo is when I hear something that really is singable, okay? Now this may or this may not actually be outlining the chord changes. I mean, if it is, it's great. If it's not though, like that's okay too. So what I want to do is an exercise and an exercise I would recommend you do as well is I want you just to, well, first of all, start creating melodies without any backing tracks or any accompaniment. Like just, just play anything that sounds good to you. In fact, just to practice what I preach, let's do it right now. I'm going to start in the key of G just as a reference point, but the whole point of this is we're in a sense playing free, if you will. It doesn't mean avant-garde. It just means I'm playing whatever comes to my head. And even if I hit a quote unquote wrong note, I'm going to run with it, right? So let's try something. Right, just some free improvisation there. Now, it was generally based around G major. That's totally fine. The idea is I just was trying to play what was kind of coming out of me. I wasn't really worrying about hitting chord changes 
wasn't really worried about if I hit a wrong note. I was just trying to figure out if I did hit a note that was out of the key, how could I resolve it into something that felt good to me, which doesn't always necessarily mean that it's in the key, right? But that's a practice that you can work on as well. Um, But the next thing you can do is simply improvise keeping that spirit in mind, right? That, okay, we've already practiced trying to outline the chord changes and we can still hope to try to do that when we improvise, but it's okay if we don't. So right now I'm going to improvise over this backing track for a second and I'm going to just try to keep in mind the idea that I want to play something that's singable to me, even if that means I'm not hitting the chord changes because we need to practice this mindset just as much as we need to practice the mechanics of improvisation. Does that make sense? All right, let's do this thing. Uh, let's go ahead and improvise over this one six two five one chord progression in concert G major. Just a little exercise for you to try, right? Just improvise, trying to be melodic. And you could hear that, obviously, I was still outlining chord changes. And that's the beauty of it is because I can hear those chord changes in my head. And therefore, in some ways, because I've just practiced this enough... I sort of just naturally will play the chord changes because I hear it, right? And what you hear ends up being what you play. Um, Even if you feel like right now you're not at that level where you hear more than what you can actually play, eventually muscle memory and, you know, your ear all kicks in and you're able to sort of just naturally start playing the changes. And then when you can't play the changes, you don't play the changes, you just keep playing melodically, right? Until you can resolve it to something that works. So that's something I want you to try practicing as well is just improvising first freely, but then going to a common chord progression and just keeping that as your North Star is playing something singable even if it goes outside of what the chord changes are, or if you hit a quote unquote wrong note, that's okay, right? Because improvisation is also about trial and error. Okay, so just as a quick review for the episode, uh, what makes a, a melody great is that it's memorable, right? It's singable, it resolves well, both thematically and both harmonically. Uh, and we can start working on that by making sure we're playing the changes 
Uh, I gave the example of targeting the thirds as a good option. We can do that with enclosures. We can do that with stepwise motion. Uh, Voice leading is important. Again, enclosures, stepwise motion, ways that we can make uh, the chords flow together, right? So it doesn't sound like it's choppy. And then finally, just practicing playing something that is singable to you. Uh, I guess one extra pro tip, try singing along with what you're playing if you're not a horn player. If you're a horn player, this is already built in for you, so good for you. Um, But if you're a player that does not rely on your air or your breath, try adding that into the, the picture and you may find yourself actually playing more singable melodies because you're actually using your gut to produce them. All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Hope you learned something about playing a melodic solos. Remember that knowledge without action isn't really knowledge at all. So be sure to take action on today's episode uh, because I want you to learn. I want you to become better as a jazz musician. And of course, uh, I can help you do that even better, even further inside of my LJS Inner Circle membership. We have over a thousand members uh, playing all sorts of instruments, bass, guitar, sax, trombone, trumpet, uh, you know, pretty much uh, melodica. We have it inside of the inner circle. You're totally welcome to join us. Uh, I know you will benefit greatly uh, from the program. So go to ljsinnercircle.com, ljsinnercircle.com, check out the membership, and we'll love to have you come and join us in there. As always, we're going to be coming out with another great episode of the podcast next week. Until then, happy practicing and cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.